0: Dr. Jason Lancaster.
1: Uh, we're still in Malachi, we're in chapter 3. Uh, we're going to be going through chapter 3 all the way through the end of the book. And we're not just finishing the book of Malachi this morning, we're, we're looking at the last words of the Old Testament. And I was going to warn you, text is very complex, it's more complicated than we're used to on Sunday morning, but I think you can handle it because the message is real simple, and it's this. There is a day of judgment coming, and everyone will either receive salvation or wrath. There is a day of judgment coming, and everyone will either receive salvation or wrath. So let's look at the very last words of the Old Testament. Look at the very last words. Turn to chapter 4, verse 6, the very last statement there. Chapter 4, verse 6 says, So that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. The end. It looks like the Old Testament ends on a note of wrath. But what we're going to actually see this morning is that it ends on an opportunity for mercy. What seems to be a note of wrath is actually an opportunity for mercy. And you can decide what that's going to be for you. You see, we've been looking at Malachi for several weeks now. And we're coming to the end of something called the disputations. And this is the sixth disputation where the Lord begins charging his people with their offensive words against him. What have they been saying against the Lord? We'll turn back to chapter 3. Let's look at chapter 3, and we're going to start in verses 13 and 14. Let's do it. Your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said, it is vain to serve God. Those are offensive words right there. Their heart is basically saying it is vain to serve God. They believe that there is no benefit in serving the Lord. Let's look at them elaborate. Verse 14. You have said it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his charge and that we have walked in mourning before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the arrogant blessed. Not only are the doers of wickedness built up, but they also test God and escape. They're claiming that there is no profit in keeping the Lord's commandments. They gain nothing in mourning before the Lord at all because God doesn't seem to pay attention to them. The rain is still not coming to water the crops. They are neglected in the great Persian empire where they are a marginalized people. And the surrounding enemies are prospering while they're barely able to survive. So here's the deal. They're saying, you know what? God is not paying attention to us. In fact, God's not only not paying attention to us, but he's blessing our enemies. So it is vain to serve God. (laughs) But what they don't realize is this. They're hypocrites because they're acting as if it's God's fault what has happened to them. They're like, you know, we we did the religious thing, God. We're doing all the sacrifices. We're going through all the ceremonies. What's up with you? You're not coming through for us. We're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And yet they're hypocrites. You've been with us from Malachi so far, right? What have they been doing? Well, they've been living in immoral relationships, they've been robbing God. They've been talking back to God. They've been confronting God. They've been doing sacrifices that are absolutely pointless. So here's the deal. Calamity has fallen on them, not because it's vain to serve God. It's because in their hypocrisy, they have been rebelling against him. Chances are there's someone in here, or watching, who's saying, your life is falling apart, and it's all God's fault. In fact, you would say, I'm going to church, I'm going to Bible study. It's vain to serve God because he's not coming through for me. And all these other wicked people, they get what they want, but I don't get what I want. When perhaps you're living a life of hypocrisy. You're living a life of rebelling against God. And what you are calling vain to serve God is actually a heart that has strayed. And God is disciplining you to bring you back, to bring you back, to bring you back. So what is the right, appropriate way, attitude to have in serving the Lord? Well, let's look at it. Let's, there's a better way to live. Look at verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. Okay. So there's this group of God-fearers. There's this remnant. There's a small group of people who still wanted to follow the Lord no matter what, and they're talking to each other. And, they're at, and the conversation is likely, man, our, our, our nation's messed up. Rain's not coming. People are living immoral. And rather than saying it's God's fault, this remnant right here are talking to one another and they're saying, you know what? It's it's our fault. We're going to own our sin. We're going to own our sin of going through the motions of worship. We're going to own our sin of robbing God. We're going to own our sin of living an immoral life. They are owning their sin. So the problem is not with God. The problem is with us. You know what would be so awesome is if our church would be this faithful remnant, like in the great Christianity of America, that we would be this faithful remnant that, that doesn't point the finger at God and say, it's all your fault. But so, you know, God, we are a sinful people. Have mercy on us. And that we would walk in humility and not in arrogance. In fact, what if the pagans of the land... Knew the church for their humility. If you go ask an unbeliever right now, when you think of evangelical Christians, do you think of humility? Probably not. They would say, well, there's some arrogant, hypocritical people. And there are, all right, right? But we want to be those, those neighbors of those people who look at us and go, man, they are humble people. They're relying on the Lord, they're not arrogant, they're not proud. And that's the path we're walking here where we want to say, hey, it is not vain to serve God at all. Now it's going to get a little interesting here. So look at God's God's response here to this, this remnant. Verse 16, then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I prepare my own possession. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. There's a book. It's called A Book of Remembrance. In the Persian Empire, they would have these royal diaries where significant people and events were recorded. But the imagery here is that God's got a book too. And God is capturing those in his book who fear him and esteem his name. Those are the ones who live repentant lives, who, who want to walk in holiness and bring fame to God and not to themselves. And unlike the rest of Israel, they don't challenge God but trust him. And it says that this remnant will be re- rewarded on a day. Did you see that word day there in verse 17? They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day. On the day I prepare my own possession." You ever heard of that phrase, the day of the Lord? The day of the Lord is coming. What is the day of the Lord? Well, the day of the Lord is when God intervenes in history, in the Bible, and even now, where he brings judgment on the wicked and vindication on the righteous. And in fact, there's going to be great day of the Lord, the ultimate day of the Lord, when Jesus comes back. And when Jesus comes back, he is going to bring judgment on the wicked and vindication for the righteous. But until that day, and when that day comes, there's going to be a distinction. I remember when uh, people have come to church before, and one of the things that they don't like is the distinction the Bible makes between believers and unbelievers. Because, we know, we live in a very pluralistic society. Everybody likes to think we're all in this together in the sense we're all going to heaven There is no evil. We're all all going to be good one day. And so when they come to church and they hear this distinct language, well, I just want to tell you this. It's not a distinction that we're making. It's not a distinction in man's eyes between the righteous and the wicked. It's a distinction in God's eyes. And it's a distinction that God makes, not that we make. It is his distinction. Are you familiar with Psalm 1? Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So for now, there is this blending of the righteous and the wicked. But the day of the Lord's intervention will reveal a distinction. Right now, there's a blending. You look all around. Believers and unbelievers live together here on this earth. But a distinction is coming between the unrighteous and the righteous on that day. Well, let's continue. What's he talking about here? Look at chapter 4. For behold, here he is, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaff, and the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Let's just stop for a moment. It's really hard to believe this in the village, right? It's beautiful here. People are out playing tennis and on the golf courses. Exploring nature. I mean, look at this beautiful backdrop. <laughs> Amazing. Everything is beautiful. And then you read this verse and it says, The day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant, ever evil deer will be chaff. And the day that is coming, and I will set them ablaze. You're like, What? It just seems to be a conflicting scene of, of a beautiful day here in the village, a contrast of the future, judgment by fire. One time I had my Bible and I was in the park in Chicago and I was reading this passage. And so I went up to uh, this man. I thought he was Jewish. I said, hey, are you, are you, are you Jewish? He said, yeah. I said, do you know the Hebrew scriptures? He said, for the most part. I said, will you help me understand something from your point of view? Let's look at this Malachi verse together. This is some weird things that preachers do in parks. So let's look at this Malachi verse together. And so we read this verse and I asked him, I said, How do you understand this? And he says, oh, oh, that's talking about the end of days. I said, oh, good. Yes, it is. And and I said, uh, but it's so beautiful out here. Look at it. We're right here by the lake. It's beautiful. How do you understand this? He said, there's two interpretations. He says, number one, things will get worse in the world and the days will be brought with fire and judgment. And interpretation number two is people will make the world a better place and peace and avoid the day of fire. And he was opting for the second interpretation, that the world's going to make it a better place and we'll avoid the day of fire. But here, here, here's what I believe the right interpretation of this passage, if you're with me. I think this is the right interpretation, is that on the day of judgment, there will neither be wrath for all nor peace for all. Let's say it again. On the day of judgment, there will neither be wrath for all nor peace for all. There is going to be some people will receive the favor of God and some will receive his wrath. And if anybody wants to say, well, it doesn't seem fair. It's not fair for God to send anybody to hell. Well, I just going to tell you, it's really not fair for him to send anybody to heaven. Let's talk about fairness for real here, All right. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so when it talks about the arrogant and the wicked, like chaff and stubble, uh, which is easily ignited, there's going to be consumed with fire. Speaking about a judgment. It's going to be ushered in when Jesus comes back. But my brothers and sisters, it's not a time we should fear. By the way, do not fear the second coming of Jesus. Do not be afraid of it. Because when he comes back, he's going to come back to vindicate the believer. He's going to come back and give us his grace and mercy. Something positive also happens in the judgment, right? Look at verse 2 of chapter 4. Here it is. This is the positive part for you. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. When Jesus comes back a second time, all those who have been longing for his coming will be vindicated. You'll be affirmed that your serving the Lord was not in vain. The, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings is not only forgiveness of your sins on the cross, but also a vindication of all of your suffering. And get this, I know some of you got a lot of uh, ailments and you can, sometimes you can't walk and your, your body creaks, but there's gonna be some leaping. There's going to be some leafing. You see it there? You're going to be leafing and skipping. you like, I haven't skipped in a long time. Well, you're going to skip about like calves from the stall when that day comes. So in the future, there is going to be this vindication for the righteous. Not those who are good on their own, but those who are good because they're found in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now it gets really, really heavy here. Verse 3, you will tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. What? In the end times, it's talking about the wicked being burned up with fire, that they are the ashes under the soles of the feet of the righteous. It's just talking about what we're going to see on this earth in the end times. It was the God that conquered him, they am not you. They will not be annihilated forever as there is existence for his people in heaven and existence for the wicked in hell. And I want to be very clear. I want to be very clear, all right? I want to be very clear. And don't say never. But nobody ever told you this, all right? I'm going to tell you. I'm just going to be very clear. This will for sure happen. No matter how beautiful it is right now, no matter how lovely it is, this will for sure happen. Those who repent of their sins and believing the Son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, buried, rose again, those who repent but their faith in Jesus will be vindicated. Those who reject the Son will experience wrath. I guarantee you it will happen. Do not ever say nobody ever told me because I just told you. But there's an opportunity to return and here it is. Verse 4. Remember the law of Moses, my servant. Even the statutes and ordinances which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel. So the call of God's people to come back into the light. Remember, they used to walk in the law. They experienced this grace. At Horeb, the nation of Israel, signaled that they were on board with you, following you. And now they have strayed. Now the time's to come back. And then verse five, I'm gonna read it very slowly. Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. This is gonna be very difficult to understand. If you have any questions, go ask Dale Kastner. (laughs) He knows a lot of things about the end times. I'm gonna be very clear in explaining this. This has come up before in chapter 3, verse 1, as a messenger prepares the way before the Lord. And here the messenger is identified, you see it in verse 5, Elijah the prophet. And from the book of Matthew, we know that Elijah, or this Elijah-like figure, was none other than John the Baptist. And he was preparing the way before Jesus. But it's interesting that later on, do you remember who was on the mountain with Jesus and Moses, remember? It was also Elijah. Elijah in the transfiguration. And then after the transfiguration, Jesus makes a reference to how John the Baptist was Elijah that was to come, while at the same time saying that Elijah will come and restore all things. So here's the deal. This is really confusing, I know. So John the Baptist was this forerunner. He was this new expected Elijah. But it seems like there's going to be this other Elijah-like figure that comes before the second coming of Jesus. And perhaps this is the Elijah, one of the two witnesses that's spoken of in Revelation 11, prophesying to the people before the second return of Jesus. And now if you're totally confused with everything I just said, just know this, no matter how you sort all this out, the prophesying gives people an opportunity to repent before wrath comes. God gives so many opportunities to repent before wrath comes. It is amazing. We all just assume revelation, re revelation, God comes, it's done. Oh, so many opportunities to repent along the way. Just think about your own life. God gave you many opportunities to repent. And you did. I mean, maybe it took you forever, right? But you have repented and trusted And some of you, you're still like, "Ah, I'm not so sure. I don't know about this Jesus thing. I kind of want to do my own thing. And once again, this morning, God's given you another opportunity to repent and turn to him. Praise God for those opportunities. But they're not unlimited. They will end. They'll end at your death. They'll end when he comes back. Today is the day of salvation, right? Today is the day to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You're like, well, I'll just do this tomorrow. Well, you don't know if you even have tomorrow. Today is the day to repent and trust Christ. Put your faith. You're like, you know, I always hear preachers talk about repent, and I don't even know what that means. Well, let me tell you. It's really simple. This is what repentance is. Okay, you're walking this way doing your own thing, you're your own God, following your ways, living a life of sin. Here's repentance. Lord, I'm done. And then you turn around and you say, I'm walking your ways. I'm walking towards you, Jesus. I trust you, Christ. You're not perfect, but repentance is not just a change of mind, but a change of heart and change of actually say, I am done following my way. I'm going to follow your way. And I'm just wondering, maybe, maybe that's you this morning. You're like, you know what? I've been living my own way for way too long. And today is a day to turn around and go toward Christ and find forgiveness and grace and mercy in the cross. And this opportunity of grace is only for people who are really messed up, (laughs) which is all of us. And if you think, well, you know, I've really messed up my life pretty bad, you're in a great spot. For forgiveness and grace. Have you ever thought about that? That when we take communion together, we're celebrating grace? Sometimes we get really messed up with communion. We think, you know, I'm going to take communion, but before I do, I need to really repent and do my own self-atonement, and then maybe I can take it. No! You're taking communion and remembering what Christ has done for you. You're repenting and turning to him, not your own works and your own righteousness. It's not your self-flagellation. It's not, right, beating yourself up. and It's coming to grace. And that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to have a moment of grace and remembering what he's done for us on the cross. Body broken, blood spilled. And we just talked about this day of wrath, but I want to tell you this. On the cross was a great day of wrath. And it was wrath poured out on His Son, Jesus Christ. So all those who look to Son, put their faith in the Son, will not face the wrath of God.
0: We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way guided by God's Word.